There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello and welcome to My Millennial Property with John Pigeon and as always, Emily Wallace. Hello, Emily. Hello, John. I have a question for you to mix it up. Oh, what is it? What has been the best thing in the last seven days, in your last the last week for you that's happened? Gee, that is a tough one. Ah, uh, look, it, no, it's not actually that tough. I I presented to uh, the Essen Football Club. Oh, whoa! Yeah, no, that was definitely a highlight. I, I didn't want to get starstruck because I had to present and all those sort of things. So I was pretty reserved, acted cooler than I probably should have. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah, that was the Essendon uh, Football Club. Well, I'm sure Essendon fans are like, "Wow, they're yeah. one step away from from uh, meeting the team." That's awesome. Yeah, it was good to get into the inner sanctum of the Mighty Bombers. What about you? Yeah, the best thing that's happened to me in the last week. Actually, we had a, a very difficult deal go through, which I, I was a little bit unsure of. I thought it was going to fall over. Well done. Um, that was actually, yeah, it was a big win this week, personally and professionally. I got a lot of joy out of that one. So Yeah, cool. Yes. You, you yeah. didn't mind that mine wasn't really property related? No. No, no not at all. I'd, I'd, yeah. Cool. can be can be anything. <laughs> that's just what came to my mind. But that's, I mean, share away. That's awesome. Now, a bit of a different one today. Um, and I'm leaning on you quite heavily for this in that you're much more of an expert given this is your your work really and your research that we're going to talk through to begin with. Um, the overarching theme for this this uh, episode, everybody, is around the idea of hotspots and do they actually exist and what are they and how do you calculate them if they do exist? Uh, but to start with, John has actually just shared with me um, a presentation that he did recently and some data that was in that presentation, which is, for a property nerd like me, quite fascinating and I think for you guys will will find it really interesting. But we're going to talk through it to help frame the conversation around hotspots as well. Mm. So... You may or may not be aware, but John did go on a bit of a, a tour, tour to Australia. Yes. If that is a thing. <laughs> tour, tour to New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I remember because we were recording and you were, you were in some interesting spots at times um, with some very shonky internet. Um, <laughs> but on that tour, you got a very good first-hand view of some regional towns and cities in New South Wales um, and you've collated a fair bit of data around that and that's what we're going to talk through. Yeah, yeah, no, cool. So I think... Um, the, the this year has really has intrigued me um, from the point of view of w- what property's done for us post COVID and the mm. performance of generally houses um, around the country in not only just like and, and it, as everyone knows or may know I research top thirty odd cities by population um, and that that start the research from there to identify locations to to buy in. Um, for for clients, now I was intrigued that on on 
doing this tour, and, and most of it was New South Wales, um, but when I look around Victoria and parts of South Australia and into Queensland, there's been growth in almost every market, regardless of the population. And and I wanted to speak to that today because there is a lot of marketing around uh, property hotspots and, and companies will put a highlight heading saying the next hotspot or this is going to boom or um, and and I'm not calling bullcrap on that, but I'm just saying to people, well, we've got to understand our situation first before we go and take that and just go and buy there. So we'll get to that a bit later. But mm. uh, I, I suppose I um, broke down seven locations within New South Wales and I researched them across their annual growth in the last 10 years, the median house price as I saw it, which was last month, uh, the population of those areas, the gross yield, which is the yield taken into account, uh, the rent times 52 um, divided by your purchase price, and then the vacancy rates. And, and we know that since um, yeah, COVID, vacancy rates have been extremely low, and, and you'll mm-hmm. see that in my findings here today. But um, those towns in question, some of you may live in them, so shout out to you guys. Some of you may have never heard of them, and that's fine as well. Um, Coffs Harbour to the north of New South Wales on the on the coast, uh, Orange into the middle or, or west part of um, New South Wales, along with Dubbo, which is near there, Fairy Meadow, which is a a nice suburb in the middle of Wollongong, um, Jindabyne, which is down near the snow. For anyone who goes to the ski fields each year, will know exactly where Jindabyne is, and Broken Hill, which is way across uh, to the to the west part of the state, almost in South Australia. And Wagga Wagga, the town with two similar names. Now that is um, down on the Victorian border. Um, so, yeah. So I've covered some some different locations. And um, let's first of all, um, Emily, you've I gave you this about ten minutes ago. So, mm. what was the thing that stuck out to you before I go into the rankings of those this particular list? Um. The first thing that caught my eye was actually the population number um, variance because some like obviously Jindabyne and Fairy Meadow are, are smaller, yep. so that was something that caught my eye straight away. But then the next immediate thing that caught my eye was the median price of Broken Hill versus the median price of Fairy Meadow. It was like yes. crazy. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So for listeners, um, Broken Hill median price one hundred twenty-seven thousand, really cheap to get in. Um, and, and then you've got somewhere like Jindabyne with a, a median price of 800000 Ferry Meadow, which is 970000 which doesn't really surprise us because it is in the heart of Wollongong. And that suburb um, population is quite small, but realising that it is in a major, major uh, city centre in Wollongong. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like I might need to go there. It sounds like a cool name, Fairy Meadow. Yes. Fairy Meadow. I never heard of it before. Learn something new every day. Mm, you do. So if we look at the winners in all of those areas or look at annual growth for a start, the the winner of annual growth over the last 10 years, it might have been eight years, but anyway, it was a long enough area to to research. The winner, surprisingly, was Jindabyne, Mm. 13.7% annualised over that period that I researched. The worst performing market was probably to no surprise, Broken Hill, 1.7% annual growth, okay? 
However, Broken Hill had a win in another area, didn't it? Most definitely. It's got the highest gross yield of 10.6%. I don't think I've ever seen something that high. (laughs) So when someone rings me up and says, I want to find a 9 or 10% yield somewhere around the country, I say head to Broken Hill, baby. That's uh, yeah. that's where you can get it. Um, and, and as you can see by the annual growth, that's the questionable component of that. If you want your 10%, uh, then go for your life, but just don't expect it to have too much uh, growth in it, right? Mm. Um, so you... And the thing I took from that, and it, and some things were surprising, some were reinforced a lot of my beliefs, but you, you compare that to, say, Fairy Meadow, where its median house price is 970000 its gross yield is under 3%, 2.9%, right? So we might look at that and say, righto, uh, Fairy, Meadow, Fairy Meadow has an annual growth percentage performance of 7.7%. That's pretty good, isn't it? If, yeah. if you had an investment that did nearly 8% per annum, you'd be pretty impressed with that. But you're only getting a 2.9% gross yield. So on today's interest rates, that's not too bad. But if we're hmm. buying in at 970000 uh, number one, we've got to have the deposits. And number two, we've got to have the ability to uh, repay those loans when the, when the yield is so low. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I think sort of the highlight there is to not just chase the big number, like 7.7% annual growth is awesome. 2.9% gross yield. I mean, like you said, on today's interest rates may be doable, but you're going to have to have a lot up front. Mm. Um, But we do need to look at things in a well-rounded picture because just extrapolating one piece of information might look good. For example, that, you know, 10.6% in Broken Hill for gross yield. Um, But we need to encompass all factors that make up a good choice. That's right. Yeah. And and if we went on population alone, we wouldn't mm. have even really looked at Jindabyne to get that 13.7%. Um, yeah. So that, that was an interesting thing that I took away from. And, and whilst we can't research the 12,000 odd suburbs around the country, all of them, um, we, we can take a good cross section to get an understanding of, uh, of where to maybe put our hard earned dollars. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... The other point I wanted to cover off on was vacancy rates. Now, the mm. pros, there wasn't really any um, surprises here. Interestingly enough, all of those mentioned, all those towns, seven of them, were 1% or under. So, Pretty the, good stats. Yeah, it is a really good stat. And, and that's a little bit of the this is the times we're experiencing. But it also brings home the fact that Australia, generally speaking, has a housing shortage, doesn't it? Mm. So it, it doesn't matter whether you're in Broken Hill or Ferry Meadow or Coffs Harbour. The fact is it is hard to get a, uh, a, a rental property and, uh, and, and there is a shortage of properties, generally speaking, in a lot of the regions around the country. Um, but this is also houses only. It's not assessing units and apartments. It's just simply the, the housing market. So I must um, uh, advise you guys of that. Now, the lowest... The winner is, Emily? Vacancy rates. Um, we've got 0.2% sitting in orange. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Mm. Closely followed by 0.4% in Fairy Meadow. Yeah. Um, but 20, 0.2%. So do you think that that's 
like are people really considering that lifestyle change in Orange is, you know, one of those towns that people are moving to and that's the vacancy component or like what's some of the reasoning behind such a low vacancy because it's mm. tiny? Yeah, and, and I've just recently just come back from country Victoria where I spent a bit of time on the farm and, and the same's happening there. Like it's 0.3, Median house price is only 100,000, 150,000 but um, the, the same vacancy rates apply. Now, a lot of areas and, and Orange are a very different market to where I was uh, where the mm. median house price is 525,000 but it's it's three hours from from Sydney, um, similar to Canberra. Um, good access to Newcastle, like it's the good good uh, airports, um, major hospitals. So it's got all the indicators that that a a, re- a strong regional centre um, should have. Uh, but the other thing happening in a lot of these smaller regional centres is um, farms are being or smaller farmers are being bought out by larger farmers. Right. So uh. back in the day, there might have been 100 farmers in an area. Now there might be 10. So wow. where are these farmers going? Well, they want to go to the closest centre to them. Right. So uh, that might be your Orange or it might be your Dubbo or it might be your uh, Wagga or something like that. So it's um, that that's definitely an indicator or a, or a common theme that's been happening mm. in the last five or so years. But the other part of it is, yeah, as you mentioned, close enough to Sydney, so a bit of a, uh, I suppose, a tree change or a green change out into the into the country air for for maybe half the mortgage that would be in Sydney. So out of this list that you've collated, which I find fascinating, I love looking at the the stats and all the different components of it, which one would actually, are these in order of what you think is the number one winner or are they just collated? No. They're not in alphabetical order. (laughs) (laughs) They're in John's order. (laughs) They're just like, I just threw them in there and just did the numbers. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a winner though out of of that list? So I I went through my own point system, I suppose, for this and ranked all those five areas, annual growth, median price, population, gross yield and vacancy rate uh, Mm. as as an indicator. I'm not going to go through how I created that point system, but um, I... There, there was actually a draw. It came out Wagga, Wagga and Dubbo were the winners in all of this, right? Now, when you look at both of those, and, and obviously listeners aren't um, seeing what we're seeing, but when you look at both of those, um, neither of them had the highest annual growth. Neither mm. of them have the highest median house price. Neither of them have the highest population. Um, neither of them have the highest gross yield nor the, the lowest vacancy rate, but they're extremely consistent in all of those areas, right? Mm. Um, which sort of helps with our talk um, after the break about this hotspot identification. So, yeah, um, it's it's understanding people's strategies and, and what each individual wants out of that purchase versus just going for the headlines. Yeah, we don't chase headlines and we're going to unpack why we don't chase headlines straight after the break. So keep posted. We'll be back with you in just a moment. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, John, often we see, you know, real estate magazines or headlines in the Herald Sun or the Daily Mail or whatever it is around the next hotspot and people are drawn to it because it's like, I want to know where the next hotspot is, I want to make money, I want to be in on it. Now, we um, recorded an episode a few months back where we had uh, Jeremy in. And we touched on hotspots and what that looked like. And one point that really stuck with me, which I kind of already knew, but it reiterated to me, is he said, if it's deemed a hotspot in the media, you might actually be too late to the party on it. But one step back from that is, do you believe hotspots exist? Uh, to be frank, no. Okay. <laughs> now, well, when I say that, I... The, the headlines are there for one thing, one thing only. They're, they're to get people to read newspapers. They're mm. for, for companies to, to um, I suppose, improve their performance or, or get more clients on board, whatever it may be. Um, so the, the devil really needs to be in the detail on that. Uh, but, yeah, Jeremy's right. I think, generally speaking, a lot of the growth has occurred uh, if it if it makes the media already, um, and and I think it's people's way of of saying, well, okay, this is easy. I've I've read an article that says X town is uh, is going to boom. There's my research done. Right, we we a lot of us are quite lazy in that in in actually doing the work to to be able to make informed decisions, whether we're spending four hundred thousand or. $200, you know, like it's just, okay, it's got to be easy. Um, let, let's get it done so I can get on to the next part of my life. So I think there's a general feel out there that, yeah, if someone can tell me where to buy, don't really need to know the reasons, let's just go and do it sort of thing. And and I, I think a our, our, lot of our listeners are much more um, sophisticated than that. They'll ask great questions. They'll surround themselves with good people and and won't look at those headlines and, and take it as gospel. But I think we need to understand more importantly, yeah, look, there might be a headline to say South Yarra is going to go up 20% next year, right? Halve that if you want, but then more importantly, apply it to your own situation and and how, first of all, what's my strategy and then working out once you know your strategy, one of the last component I think is actually the location. Mm, comes last in the piece because ultimately when you've got the insiders to your borrowing capacity, 
um, what you need to service that loan, what the yield needs to look like, what the purchase price needs to look like. It's almost like you need all these details first and then the location is actually kind of dependent upon those details, mm. right? Like you, you kind of need to work backwards rather than picking the spot and trying to get into it. How about we reverse engineer as we like to do mm. um, and actually work off those numbers to identify our own little hotspot? Yeah, and, and take the example of Bondi. Everyone's mm. heard of Bondi around the country. Beautiful part in Sydney if you like busyness. Um, <laughs> over the last 10 years, units and houses have more than doubled, right? No problems at all with that. And they probably will continue to double for the next 10 years, 20 years, etc. However, no one can afford to buy in there. Well, well, no, <laughs> no one of like generally speaking in the public, we're going to mm. need, I don't know, $4, $4 million for a house and maybe close to $2 million for a unit or something like that. So mm. it, it doesn't even need to enter our conversation. Is it going to give us consistent growth? Absolutely. It might get your 8 or 10% a year, right? But if we can't play that game, then we move on to a, a game that we can play, right? And that is um, in, in back to before the break, Fairy Meadow, um, Jindabyne, they're eight dollars $900,000. If we can't afford that, then we, we, the, the growth is irrelevant. If it's going to blow us up if the interest rates rise, that's going to hurt, right? It, mm. it's, it's going to cost us um, maybe losing money, losing our stamp, losing our transaction costs, and then maybe even losing our um, motivation for buying property or investing to begin with. Yeah, and I think, you know, when people do see these hotspot headlines, there often isn't too much thought behind, well, what is actually going to cost me to get in there, you know? And I think really working backwards from your figures and where it lands you and where you feel most comfortable as well, um, I think that's really important. And I'm sure people think like, well, but how do I find out that information? You know, where do I pinpoint what my price point equals. Mm. There are a number of resources that you can use. In fact, I know real estate and domain have really upped their game on the information that they now share on suburbs and the insights that they give. That would be a starting point. You know, more sophisticated investors might have a CoreLogic subscription. What What's your go-to for sort of finding these stats? Yeah. So as you mentioned, there's some great free sites like SQM mm. Research is a, another good free site or, or for a lot of the information it's free. Realestate.com, Domain have some good stats. Um, you've, you've sometimes got to check the validity of a lot of data um, and, yes. and where the source is coming from. So that that's probably the first part I'd add to that. Um, but yeah, CoreLogic is is one. Real Estate Investor, which I um, also use, is uh, they're both paid subscriptions. So um, it might not be affordable to, to everyone, but you definitely get a lot more information in that. Uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics is a is a good starting point just to. If you, if you find a location, just jump on the ABS website and, and have a look and get an understanding of its demographics. Um, and, and I know we've spoken about in a previous ex episode about owner-oc versus investor percentages. You'll get a feel on the ABS website as to what percentage of people in that particular uh, um, suburb own their house. Mm, yeah. A question for you. Do you think it's necessary to have visited or um, spent time in an area that you're going to buy in as an investor? No. Yeah. Now, I my first property was 1999, 
Right. Some people yep. are maybe sitting here saying, I wasn't even born then. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, back then, way back then, Emily, <laughs> they didn't have strong internet. It may have not have been in there at all, actually. Um, mm. I couldn't research in my lounge room like I can today. I couldn't yeah. get on Google Earth. I That wasn't updated. It, I couldn't just look down the street and see what the what, what the makeup of the, the, the street looked like or the suburb. I couldn't really go onto ABS too well. I couldn't really real, – realestate.com wasn't really there um, in any way, shape or form. So how would I buy property? Well, I had to ring real estate agents or read the newspaper or read a magazine that was maybe six months behind the data Oh, um, so really my only choice was to actually get there in the flesh. Now I think it's just a, a check and balance that we can do at the end. Um, now, you and I have very different roles in the property space. You're working with the emotional homeowner. I'm working yes. with the non-emotional investor. So mm-hmm. absolutely your day is spent looking through properties because that's the emotional homeowner. This investment space is very much about numbers. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting how much of a perception there is that people do need to view their investment property. Um, often when people, you know, might give me a buzz and I redirect them to you, <laughs> um, but initially they, they give me a buzz and they say like, oh, we're thinking of we're thinking of investing in, you know, Geelong it might be, oh, because, you know, something goes wrong with the property, we can drive past mm-hmm. it or we can check it out. And I'm like, do you know what the analogy actually someone gave me once and said in relation to you know, likening shares and property. So if people are investing in their own back garden, you know, they stay in their own state, their own suburb sometimes even, they're buying into what they know. If you put it into the context of company shares, imagine if you were an IT professional and that's IT is what you knew and then therefore you only bought in two shares that were related to IT companies. Mm. Imagine how limited your gains could be or your opportunities could be if that's all you did as you just put money into what you knew. The same principle does apply when it comes to investing in property. And I always say the property market is all of Australia. It's the whole thing. And you need to look at it from that sort of lens before you can micro down into what area you're going to buy in. Mm. Um, And I think that comes with time for people to understand. I, I understand why a lot of people buy their first investment where they know because they might not know any better. Um, But you typically find that people start to broaden out and they don't have to go and see the property. They don't even have to have to visit the area before to know that it's a sound investment when they trust the numbers um, and trust the data. Yeah, and, and, and someone told me last week when I was in Melbourne actually, uh, or th- they gave me a, a similar analogy. They said, well, a, a friend gives you a tip to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy in X suburb, right? Mm. How is that different from your friend also giving you a tip uh, race seven in Flemington. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Or there's a new share that's about to float. I reckon we should get in, right? So, yeah, you're right. The numbers are are important and and the research from, uh, I suppose, reputable figures but also um, just getting your confidence levels to the point where you can say, yep, I'm 90% sure that this is going to be for me. I personally, I'm never a hundred percent that of the, of the property I buy. I don't know about you, but I, I've never mm. been. Yeah, this is absolutely going to kill it. I'm going to make good money here, and it's going to be yeah problem free. 
yeah, it's a risk that you take. You you sort of have as informed decision as you can um, and hope that it does what you think it's going to do. But no, I've never been 100% on everything I've bought. I just mm. hope hope for the best most of the time once I've, you know, put trust it all in, in, in the numbers and, yep. and put my money down and you've got to let it do its thing. That's so it. time yeah. will tell. Yeah, cool. So I, I suppose rounding that out, Mm. Yeah, that that exercise that I did was just uh, really reconfirming everything that we do on a daily basis from a research point of view. But interestingly enough, um, the, I suppose listeners, uh, my recommendation to you is um, look beyond your backyard and look mm. beyond the major capital cities. That That's the big message in, in all of this. And to you find a sweet spot that works for you, not find the hotspot in the magazine and try and make it work for you. Yep, completely agree. I think that's um, a big takeaway from today's episode that people might go, oh, a little light bulb moment, that makes sense. I'm going to take action on that. And we'd love to hear your property stories as well. You know, always, particularly if there's been information that we've, we've you know, spoken about and you've taken it on board and you're putting it into action, we'd love to hear from you. So um, have a look in the show notes below and um, feel free to reach out to the podcast via email or post in the My Millennial Money Facebook group um, and tag us in there. We're both in there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about your questions and also your successes on your property journey. So we look forward to hearing more from you guys. Absolutely. Very good, Emily. Very good, John. Well, until next week um, and until we speak again, hope everyone has a happy and safe week ahead and uh, we'll be speaking with you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.